and welcome to episode 137 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hey everyone, how's it going? And Game on the Seaf. Hey, what's up Harry, Pat, everyone? Well, 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 you guys left me on my own last week. What are you going to say about that? I have no regrets. People loved it, no? <laughs> yeah, we did get some mixed feedback. Thank you so much for everyone who kind of chimed in in the Discord on what they thought about uh, the episode last week as well. People came to my stream and really appreciate it. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about magic. Gab top eighted the modern challenge, making it to the finals this week with, a, uh, with uh, what was it, Teamer Creativity. So we're going to be getting into that. As well as, obviously, I've been playing modern. Pat's been playing modern. Me and Pat have been playing a bit of Pioneer as well. So that's what we're going to get going to be getting into as well as we have six new patrons this week you lot have been killing it uh we've got sammy nathan alex jose ashford and joey thank you guys so much for supporting our content we really appreciate it thank you very much i'm not going to remember all six of those names but i'm sure you've interacted with me at some point so thanks for joining yeah thanks to all six of you yeah and uh i also have to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by card market for those who don't know what Card Market is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles. You can sell on there. Not only Magic the Gathering, you can get Flesh and Blood, Digimon, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! You name it, they've got it. Go check out Card Market. They sponsor the podcast. Cardmarket.com or Cardmarket.eu. As well as, you know who also sponsors the podcast for free? Everyone in the Discord. Get in our Discord channel. It's sick. You know, we're giving you, uh, what is it, just a load of insight on plays. People are constantly asking us about their deck lists in there. If you want to chat with us, we're not in there 24-7, but we do try to keep up with that Discord. Please join in. It's a load of fun. Uh, and you can find our Discord link in the description of this episode or on our Twitter page. As well as, if you have the time, please leave a review on any podcast app you're listening on or click the follow button as that really supports us for free as well, just clicking a few buttons. Uh, and you can leave a negative review if you don't like the podcast or a positive one if you do. Anyways, intro done, intro done. We have Magic the Gathering to talk about. Gab, you top eight in the Modern Challenge, made it to the finals. Why don't you let us know what deck you played and how it went? Yeah, I was uh, still uh, in home arrest from COVID and decided to fire up the the challenge anyways. I was all bored, even though I didn't I didn't stream it and I played my teamer archon creativity deck i've been working on and i wasn't super convinced it was so great but my results had been decent and last time i played in a challenge i kind of had high hopes and i think i went one free and i felt like it deserved another shot so i gave it a shot and yeah made it to the finals on saturday ran it back on sunday went five and two so not too bad. I think I lost to m maybe Merktide on on Saturday in the Swiss, and then Burn in the finals. Can and... I ask a quick question? Is this is different to the Grixis uh, creativity deck you've been playing a little while ago, right? Yeah. So I started was basically. I think we talked about it a bit before, but started just wanting to try out Fable of the Mirror Breaker in Modern, specifically in the Shell. You know, I felt like the card would be a. Uh, perfect fit that gives you token it gives you treasures it lets you loot away archon then you can reanimate it and you know maybe once in a blue moon you you copy an archon was the kiki jiki side but 
yeah, started with Grixis, just, you know, trying to do the dual reanimate plus creativity. And, you know, logic being, yeah, they want to be just all in on the, the graveyard. And creativity is kind of hard to hard to counter, really, especially when you're targeting artifacts. And it, it worked pretty well. My results were decent, but I felt like the deck maybe wasn't the greatest. And decided to just try Teamer for Renin 6, kind of pressure people that way in a way, instead of having Thoughtseize for Disruption. I would just have Renin 6 to force people to react and just gain a huge mana advantage and card advantage, get all the, the free-ish wins that you get with turn to Ren. You know, it doesn't really matter what you're doing after that. If you're on the play, you go turn to Ren. As long as your deck is a bunch of reasonable cards, you know, there's just so many games you're going to win just from the overwhelming advantage the Planeswalker gives you. So yeah, I was a little worried that, you know, I wasn't quite sure how the games were going to play out against Counterspell because I can't just get through counters with Thoughtseize, you know, I'm playing Spell Pierce, but if people keep a bunch of mana up, I'm not sure how, how do you make them tap out, you know, a deck like Murktide, how, how do you force them to react first so you can get them in a spot where you can resolve creativity, but I guess the, the game's just played out better than, a bit better than I expected, and um, yeah, I'm just a bit rambling at this point, but yeah, played played the challenge, went well. Uh, the, the game ones are, are kind of tough, I guess, against something like Murktide, but after sideboard, you get bunch of Veil of Summers and Fluster Storm, and that helps a bit. You can also, you know, I was hoping that I would just basically go Ren and Six, Fable, hopefully something gets through, and then they're kind of on the back foot. I'm playing Lightning Bolt to get rid of a cheap threat, like Shredder and and the Chandler. And yeah, I guess I'm 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 gonna go maybe for some of the matchups. So I think Murktide is kind of tough. You know, Murktide just kills you really fast. And I think if they draw enough iterations and charms and stuff, they can just play a Drago game, play a Murktide with maybe four mana up and a counter spell. And I can't even like creativity plus spell pierce. So you're hoping to basically resolve an early Renin 6 and a Fable and put them in a tough spot where they need to tap out and you can punish them. Sideboard games play a little differently. You get Veil and, and Fluster Storm, so maybe you can overload their counter spell, but you need to buy yourself a bit of time, not die too fast. You take a lot of damage from your land. So I think actually one of the best cards against the deck is Dragon Rage Chandler because it's a fast clock and provides them with card selection too. I was going to ask this exact question. Would you prefer to play against... The Murktide players who have all the Ledger Shredders or the Murktide players who have the Dragon Rangers channel, but I guess you've already answered that question now. Yeah, I think Chandler is better card in this matchup. It's yeah, I mean Shredder Shredder kind of kind of do the same thing, honestly. But um yeah, I think uh I think Chandler is like pretty scary and then Murktide's scary as well. So yeah, that that's for the, the Murktide matchup. You know, you're hoping like in every matchup to be on the play to have turn to Ren. And then they have to do something. And if they don't, then you don't care, you know, you just get get mana advantage with Ren. You don't have to tap out. If they do, maybe you punish them with a fable. Um and if the game doesn't go that way, then it's probably gonna be tougher for you to win. Um against uh 
Grixis Shadow. It's a little different. They have fewer counter spells, I think, but they have the discard spells. So it's, I guess it's somewhat similar, you know. Um, so these matchups are, are pretty close. Maybe maybe it's kill dependent. Maybe if people get used to playing against the deck, it gets tougher. Uh, I'm not too sure, honestly, who has the edge. One of the big benefits of playing this deck is that it has a really good four-color Omnath matchup because you can pressure them in the early turn. You have, you know, Ren and Fable, and it's, you know, you would think, oh, they have cheap removal, they have Solitude, but it's not that easy for them to keep one man up when you're curving out Ren into Fable. They kind of have to react. You have... um you know, you 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 can punish them with with transmogrify creativity. Even if they have to solitude your one token, you know, that's fine. You've traded. You've made them use two cards. And where where you get your edge is that at some point you also just start hard hard casting archon. That's something yeah. that happens a ton in this matchup. So so you how many black sources do you actually have in the main deck? And I know you have maybe one. Is it overgrowth? One yeah. overgrown tomb, sorry. Um, I have to have a blood crypt. You only play mountains because of dwarven mine. You can't even play like right, a breeding pool. Yeah. So I have a John Triome and a blood crypt, and then you have the the treasure tokens as well. Yeah, right. So getting getting hits in with the with the goblin from Fable the Mirror Breaker really really helps in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, it can be can be can be big, obviously. So so this matchup, I think if they draw really well, you know, if they curve Ren into Teferi, they have the Solitude, they have Omnath into Counterspell, like, you know, you know, but in, in practice, I haven't lost to Omnath yet. People have not been able to assemble the, the perfect draws and, you know, you have your own perfect draws. So what sort of cards are you bringing in and out in, in a matchup by four color? So the... West sideboarding was just very little, really. I think I was bringing a couple disputes because they counter Teferi and Omnath and their own counters. You know, they're going to have counter spell. They might even have dispute. And I think maybe I was boarding out Spell Pierce and Lightning Bolts. You can maybe bring in a Veil of Summer. I was bringing, I have a Dress Down in my sideboard. I was bringing that in as well. Um, so. Yeah, Dress Down's a card I've, I've liked against that deck, even if it's not like. You know, a straight up haymaker is something that lets lets you stop them trading for value or matter matter advantages specifically in the mid game. Yeah, that's out of the, that's out of the my touch shell though. Yeah, the Dreszlon's kind of the most random card in the sideboard. It feels like it's just there because I didn't know what else to put, and it's a good carded modern. You say that there's also a back to nature in there. There was a back to nature. I lost to Enchantress. I lost so badly to Enchantress. I was like. Well, I honestly don't need too many sideboard cards for anything else, so I'll just put it back to nature. I wonder if it's good against Hammer Time. You get Saga and you get Aid. I brought it in. I didn't draw it in that matchup, but it, it could be good. But I've cut it since. I think just playing another Force of Vigor is probably better, you know? Back to nature was kind of nonsense. But um, every, time you, every time you play one of these lists, you've got to have something in there that people go like, hmm, I'll take his word for it. Yeah. I think I might have 502 as I was playing 14 cards at some point straight up. I just forgot to have a, a 15 sideboard card. You said that's better than the back to nature or not? <laughs> Probably not. But yeah. Oh, no, actually, I think I was against someone. I think it's just cutting all the lightning bolts. I was maybe keeping in the spell tiers. Anyways, this matchup, 
I mean, I could see losing it, but hasn't happened in practice. Um, living in has been mixed results. The first two times that I played, I just lost super badly despite having decent draws and sometimes ley line turn zero. And I thought the matchup was just unwinnable. In theory, you know, you can bin Archon with Prismari Command and Fable, but at some point, one Archon doesn't matter anymore, you know, if they keep building a huge graveyard. Um, yeah, I was just thinking a matchup would be bad because you can't really do anything. If you creativity first, even if you get an Archon R2, you know, you know, assuming it resolves against their Force of Negations and their Griefs, you get it through, then they get just living in. And if you don't do it, they can build up a like super huge graveyard. And at some point they just end up turn outburst with force backup and they one shot you. So I really don't know how you're supposed to sequence. How, there's I felt like there was nothing you could do. And then I beat it once, and then I've heard other people who managed to beat it. You know, and I have sideboard cards, I have ley lines. Uh, Fluster Storm, you know, Veil of Summer. Corey B asked me if maybe I should play Rest in Peace, and I answered that I had a losing Rikard was turn zero Leyline in that matchup after sideboard. Yeah. So hmm. it has really felt really bad, but um, it has jury still out. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was getting unlucky. Maybe, I don't think so. Though. I thought I was getting reasonable draws. Is this sort of the sort of matchup that's like so bad that you would think about adding more specific targeted sideboard cards for it though. Like you know, maybe more ley lines or like, like Corey suggested, you know, adding some rest in pieces or maybe, maybe you're mixing it up, like maybe having some kind of ravenous traps or something like that in your sideboard. Yeah. It's just not worth it. I think that's a strength of living in, in some ways living in is a combo deck that has a junt aspect to it where you can't really, it's just not worth it to, to have sideboard cards just yeah. for them because they have grief and force of negation and their own answers to your hate. So Yeah. It's it's the it's the amazing thing, right? Like you can't play any of the ones any of the graveyard hate spells that come into play because they just they can just have a foundation breaker for it or ingot chewer or whatever to remove remove your ley line, your rest in peace or your cryptomized script or whatnot. But they also they just fork you completely by having, you know, force of negation and grief to just take away things you might be slow playing to to kind of get them in response or whatnot. It's really, really, really hard. I agree with you. It doesn't feel like any of the kind of options are uh, doing what they can. You know, do, tr you know tr interacting in the same way that you would typically think against a graveyard combo deck. Yeah, and I think that's true. Honestly, if you look at most of the best modern decks, there's just not much you can sideboard for any specific matchups. Every deck has that resilient junty aspect to it whether it's the cascade decks murktide even like hammer time has you know spell pierce to fairy skill uh oh, i mean all these decks are just so good they're you know you just need to have um coherent and like how do you say like inherent you know decent plan against them so that that's the four to four color living in matchup. Well, I guess we we've got our we've got our, what the blue red decks living in Omnath Hammer I'm Time. Like, yeah, I've got Hammer. Yeah, Hammer Time Rhinos uh, Burn maybe Yogmoth. Hammer Time's not a matchup. I felt like Shreve Bolt Ren Smart Command, but I thought it would maybe be too slow. You know, 
always feels like hammer hammer times is you can't really look at it on paper because you're like oh they have sentinel and stuff in my experience hammer time from playing the hammer time side just that's why you learn i think is that it's a deck that just loses it to itself um i don't know if if you guys agree if you've played a bit of hammer time but on in theory you know it looks like oh yeah hammer time so great and kills you fast and this and that but when you play the deck you find out that it just you know sometimes your draws are are just bad because the decks maybe not as consistent as some of the other good decks I and think that... I feel, oh sorry i feel like that's you know i'll play against happy sandwich you know and they beat me badly sometimes but then sometimes they just don't draw well and then that's that's how you beat them so i'm not too sure i, I guess that matchup's fine i've been winning that matchup a decent bit you do have some some cool cards you know cheap removal command uh, i have two force of vigor in my sideboard uh, that card's really strong against hammer time i guess that's you know that's one of the cards maybe where you can be like okay i want to beat hammer time a bunch of force of vigors and it's not the nlbl but they go a long way Harry, you know? say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, um, what is it? I think that Hammer Time has the worst top decks in the, in the format. Like, it just has so many dead cards. And if you trade one for one with everything <laughs> against Hammer Time, they're just going to start drawing Springleaf Drums and Basic Planes that they can't do anything with. And I think that um, that deck is so bad without critical massive spells whereas if you have like merc tide you got iterations and you can cantrip into stuff blue light control has all the planeswalkers four colors all this stuff yogmoth at least can can make some sort of beatdown plan and grist whereas i feel like you've only got sight like it's just so hard to piece together things with hammer time once you know it rebuilds so slowly That's yeah why. It yeah, you get in these spots where there's a ton of variance against Hammer Time. You get in these spots where they have like two draw steps, two draw to their 12 outs. You know, a lot of time it'll be like a Hammer or Stoneforge Mystic. In my games, I feel like, okay, they, if they draw, you know, I just lose. And if they don't, I just win. And so there's that added variance to the Hammer Time matchup. Yeah. I, I personally had a few questions for your, your list. Um, one one thing that I don't understand is the one of Emrakul the Aeons Torn in the sideboard. It's like, how do you sideboard with this card? Because let's say you bring it in, are you boarding out all four Archons? Like, well, what's the purpose here? So it's for mill and as an extra target in, in matchups where you might want it. It was for, I think, I can't remember why it got added very first, but, you know, mill and Necromancia, I guess, were the two big reasons mm. i'm not sure i got paired against mill yet but the necroman shout of the yagmos matchups and um something i never thought of that i someone mentioned today actually is just emerical the the first emerical might be better than archon against uh, Merktide because they have unholy heat so against actually against old unholy heat decks especially if you know they're not gonna have jace after sideboard because obviously you can just Chase Bounce and Emrakul. Um, it might actually be good to have Emrakul as one of your targets. Um, I think it's kind of a detail, but something to think about. And yeah, I actually lost a game on, on Sunday, I think, against Yagmas that brought in Necromancia. And I was actually kind of salty because they named 
they they saw um, they saw transmogrify and creativity, and they saw Emrakul in game two, and they still had Necromancia in game three. But in game three, I think I boarded out the Emrakul because. Mm. So the problem against Yagmas is that if you creativity and Emrakul and they grist you, it's really, really bad because you've gained no advantage. Whereas if you get an Archon and they grist you, it's usually fine. You know, they lost a creature, you're plus a card, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you can still snowball. So are you going to lose more games because you lose Archon to Necromancia? And you don't have Emrakul in your deck, or are you gonna lose more games because you creativity into Emrakul and degrist it, and um, or or maybe even you know the free life matters a lot of time they're a little short on on life and cards to go off with their combo, so it's a fine line. You obviously have you know Fluster Storm you bring in the Veils too, so that helps you against Necromancia. So. It's tough. So I think maybe you, w- one thing you can do, for instance, is on the play, you can just have all the Archons because not only is it easier to veil their Black Discard spells, etc., and fluster them, but also you have the Explore into turn free Archon draw, which is just super strong against them. They have no instant speed removal, literally nothing to mess with your combo besides discard spells. Um, I, I guess that's not true. They have, they have Yawgmoss. They can kill your your 1-1s, one etc. But... Um, so combining the fact, it's basically a parlay of, you know, you getting Explore into a turn for creativity or you having the Fluster Storm or the Veil for their Necromancia. Um, you know, I feel like something's going to go your way and you don't need Emrakul and maybe on the draw you bring an Emrakul. I don't know. You know, it's 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 hard to say for sure. But Is this, is this the sort of matchup where it's so, so good for you that you think they're a lock to bring in a card like Necromancia? Um, I think that if I if they know for a fact that I have two copies of Transmogrify and a split of two Archons and one Emrakul and Veil of Summer in my sideboard, maybe they shouldn't bring in Necromancia. But in the dark, someone who has Necromancia, they're going to bring in Necromancia against you. Yeah, right. That makes sense. But overall, you think this is a good matchup for you? Mm, I've played it a few times actually now, and it's been. It's been pretty close. I would say your favorite, yeah. I'd yeah, I mean, and... yeah, they don't have a very good way of interacting with an Archon that's in play. Like, the first Archon trigger probably doesn't do a huge amount, but the fact that it sticks around and attacks and, and blocks probably yeah. does. does if, if you get one attack in, I mean, the game's over. The, the life the life loss matters when they're trying to combo you and stuff. Yeah, that's one thing I found against them uh, that I didn't quite clue into the first few times I played against them is that when you you worry all this time about them assembling, you know, two persist creatures and a Yogmoth, but like that doesn't actually just kill you, it just kind of draws them a bunch of cards. It's like having a gristle brand in play almost. And so if their life total's low enough, then like it, it may not be lights out. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing, the same reason why they're scared of Merktide, right? Just Yeah, absolutely. You hit them once or well twice, they might just be dead, but even the one time all of a sudden they can't draw as many cards and stuff. But yeah. Um yeah, any, I made. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, as any any other matchups you th- you think are worth worth discussing, like how would you treat the how would you treat the the other Cascade matchups like Rhinos or something like that? So I think I've only played once against Rhinos. I feel like 
I'm not sure actually. I, I forget if I've played against Rhino or not. You have a, a decent way to back up your your combo, and I'm guessing your. I don't think I've played that matchup. I think I would remember because I have Brazen Borrow too, so they can like try and counter you, try and rush you. They can maybe maybe survive an Archon just bounce it and stuff. Yeah, so, I, I would have thought on paper it sounds like a pretty a pretty difficult matchup for your deck. And Rhino's had a pretty pretty good weekend by by all accounts. They won the Super Qualifier and you know put up decent top eight results elsewhere. And as we've had more paper results trickling in as well, people kind of you know reporting reporting back wins at uh, their local PPDQs with with Rhino's. Yeah. I, and, guess... I think typically Rhino's is really good against like four color as well, right? So like I would expect it to have a similar kind of pop, natural advantage against your deck. Yeah, I agree that Rhino's is is good against four colors. I think you have. You do have like two spell pierce main, two floods for storm sideboard, plus your own veils and stuff. And you have Ren, so you can maybe sit back on, you know, Ren and some cheap counter spells and make your land drops. I feel like I've played the matchup once and I won, but I I, I wouldn't be surprised. It was fine. Like Explorer's probably pretty decent against them just to ramp up to the, that extra mana and make their life a little tough. I played Burn a few times too. I think I'm two and one against Baron. I actually lost to Burn in the finals, though. It was super anticlimactic. I lost in two seconds. My draws were not super great, but I think the matchup is okay-ish. You have cheap way, cheap interaction for their one drops. You have a few spell pierce and fluster storm. Um, I think you can play wet or the storm in your sideboard if you're expecting a lot of burn in your local meta. You do have like you know, if you if you have the sideboard slot, like the you know the one dress down or the second ley line, the second force of vigor, the the, the Bosage shoes and stuff, all these cards could could be swapped for some water to storm. But yeah, I feel like burns probably kind of close ish. Um, yeah, I think we we've talked about most of the the matchups and yeah. I guess I wanted to talk about some of the changes I made when I won or when I came in second in the challenge. I still had the four archons and. Um, someone suggested just maybe cut an Archon, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't, I board one out anyways in most matchups. There's not a ton of matchups where you need all four, you know, maybe against Omnath, you missed the first ones in a super long game. But, um, so I did, I did that. I added a second Transmogrify, which Ken has made fun of me for, and it was funny because I played a prelim today and I got paired against him in the first round. He was playing Grixis Shadow, and in game one, I just drew by two Transmogrifies and no creativity. And I had to play them both times on the one creature. I guess that's what the card does. And he just said <laughs> he just had a fatal push both times. And, ah, ruined. Ah. Yeah, but but to be fair, I mean, I didn't draw creativity. It's not like I'm cutting creativity for Transmogrify. And I think there's just so many matchups that lose to one Transmogrify. So I think that was a decent change. I also added a, a land to the main. I just added a Busaju. Because honestly, I was just mulliganing a lot of having to mulligan a lot of one land hands, one land ran hands. So I didn't mind adding the extra green source. And it's a card that's just pretty serviceable overall. So yeah, I like the explorers a lot, especially in, ga in game one. They were strong for me. I'd say maybe the worst card in the main is, is maybe Spell Pierce, but I'm not even sure. So yeah, I thought that was decent changes. And then yeah, I cut the back to nature, add in a second force of vigor. And I think the deck is good. I'm not super happy with how badly you lose to, especially Merktide. If they just draw a few counters, some charms, 
some iterations. It's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just being result-oriented from my last couple losses against the deck, but, you know, it's also like games where I didn't have turn to rent, so I see your life's going to be tougher. But maybe I was thinking some Shark Typhoons might be good. Just a little extra, you know, a little extra something. You know, maybe a copy of Iteration or two, maybe a copy of Shark Typhoon or two in the main, an extra one in the sideboard. Maybe that could be an, an interesting angle where you... um you maybe after sideboard go really minimalist, maybe like two archons and maybe even start trimming. You obviously, I cut transmogrify a lot against people who have spot removal and maybe even go down to like two archons, two or free creativity and almost turn into that teamer control deck. The problem is if you try to play that game and this slip one thread that you can't kill, then you just lose. So... Yeah. I'm not sure if it's viable, but I'd kind of be interested in in maybe trying some of that stuff if I played the deck some more. It definitely strikes me as obviously I haven't I haven't played against this 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 build of the deck in particular, but even when they were the four color versions with Teferi, I felt like this was a good matchup for for blue red. Um yeah, m- most of the things you said are, are exactly what matters. I mean, they have interaction for your creatures and fast clocking and encounter spells as well. Like it's it's just set up to be bad. There's yeah. a couple of decks at the moment doing well in modern though that are that are kind of relying on Merktide not being not doing so well to be successful. I mean Rhinos is one of those decks in particular. I think that you know, uh if Merktide's being kind of kept under wraps by a large presence of four color control, then Rhinos gets to kind of come in and uh, and beat up on four color and your deck obviously beats up on four color as well. So maybe it's just the right spot in the kind of you know cycle of the metagame for it for you to be successful with this deck for a little while and you know when Merktide picks up in popularity again or starts doing well and you know being in the you know a, a reasonable share of the winners metagame then uh, I have to think about pivoting away from a deck like this but yeah to be fair I think my record's been okay against Merktide and Grixis overall but the games you lose some of the games they especially against Merktide it feels like you never shot at any point and that's usually games where you don't you don't play Ren and Six. Yeah. One card that also makes your life even tougher after sideboard is explosives. That's like the little, you know, extra um you know, pain to play around, I guess. Even yeah. though you have Prismari command and stuff, that it's just yet another different angle where they keep you in check. They usually don't they, have a ton. They I realized like, you could bring an E and put it on zero and it was just like a hard lock against yeah. getting comboed. It was this beautiful day. Yeah, just having like one or two is is can can help and stuff. Yeah, hmm. I'm just thinking why. I just feel like I don't know why I'd want to play this deck over something like Living Under Rhinos because the idea of this deck is you're paying four mana to win the game, right? But Living Under Rhinos kind of do that for three, and you have Force of Negation. So I guess you're kind of touching on that, but I just. To me, I'm I'm I've never been convinced by this deck. Yeah, I agree. It's to be fair, you could argue why would you play anything over living in in, in modern, but living in's kind of um, it's like almost the same thing over and over. But mm. uh, living in's pretty pretty busted. That no, I agree. Why would you play that deck over? So you 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 do have like an ex, as far as I can tell, like a really really good four color matchup. Even though I think living in also does a has a reasonable four-color matchup, even though I don't know all these Endurance and Calls main deck. I, I'm not sure. I haven't played the, the matchup as as much recently. So 
you know, you have a, a good Omnath matchup almost in the same way, you know, the, um, the Bring to Light decks or Scapeshift has a good Omnath matchup. Maybe not quite to that point. Maybe if people kind of realize how the deck, you know, maybe people are just kind of caught, caught off guard a bit and maybe they don't play their best because they're not used to playing the matchup. So maybe it's not fair, you know, maybe I'm being all over overly optimistic saying it's the matchup's just almost unlosable. Mm. Um but yeah so that that could be a selling point. Um yes hammer time's been been decent so far. Uh I'm not sure the um, I played against Etron. That deck's been popular. I don't know if you guys played against that deck, but I saw that it uh, actually it won the big uh, there, was a, there was a big European event in Copenhagen over the weekend. I in believe. Sweden, yeah, you mean Malmo? Yeah, I was in Malmo. Was it okay? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I believe I believe it won that tournament, right? Mm. Yeah, or at least made the finals. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah that matchup's been it's it's been it's gone both ways for me. You you do have for smart command, but Seju, you have a decentish plan against them, but sometimes they just have great draws, you know, classic Tron. So um no Harry, I mean I, I don't think this deck is, is amazing. Maybe it needs a little more tuning and I, I agree. I, I wouldn't say, you know, it's it's tough here, but results have been there. I've had other people tell me they've done well with the deck. I've had people tell me they haven't done well with the deck too, just can't figure out how to play it and figure out how to win. So um, you could check out Harry Lax Twitter. He's been playing the deck, posting about it, answering people's questions. So shout out to him. Is he pushing the teamer version? Yeah, he just he he tweeted something along the lines of decided to give this archetype, you know, one last try and try my list. And he's been crushing with it, like insane win rate in, in the leagues. Mm. So, you know, who knows? And he, he doesn't look like he's made too many changes since the original version. Maybe he's figured out, you know, stuff, how to sideboard better. Maybe he was talking about boarding out Explore. It was kind of interesting. He said, you should board out Explore more because they don't play well with your sideboard plan of bringing too many interactive cards, which makes sense. You know, you Explore is nice to goldfish people in some matchups, etc. And when they're not as ready game one, they don't have as many counter spells. They don't have as many explosives and cards like that. And then after sideboard, the game slow down. You're not going to cheese them on turn three because you're going to have something to interact with you and explore goes down in value. So that's actually maybe something, uh, maybe that's that's something I haven't been doing. You know, I've been trimming and explore here or there, but maybe that's something uh, I should have done more. Yeah, I mean, even if you were like, in a position to go to go jamming on turn four with an explore like explore kind of stops doing something if you run out of lands in your hand if you just want to slow play anyway what does it matter if you hit four mana on turn three or turn four yeah i'm i actually really like that logic in matchups where you want to slow down yeah, yeah. the only thing i'm wondering is how you protect the renin six like oh i guess oh no you play hard evidence okay i'm stupid yeah, yeah no. for like, evidence. Yeah, yeah it's also just like a turn two four toughness planeswalker. Like it just yeah doesn't really get attacked to death. I, yeah, I, I almost never attack random six to death. You are really good against against Ragavan. I've had a lot of games where I guess people felt desperate, and maybe that's spots where they get desperate when they don't really have to, and they like they're like 
play Ragavan, I deal with the first one or something, and then they like end up killing a crab just to get one attack in. Hmm. And then starting on turn four, you can just pump out a dwarven a dwarf every turn, dwarven mine and fetch land. So it's so hard for Ragavan to get through. That's been like a, a nice part of those. So, you know, maybe I was playing against players, Merc type players were not borging out Ragavan enough or going too crazy trying to get a few Ragavan hits in, just not sustainable strat. But um you know, maybe that was just a hand they were dealt and I'd feel like I'd be i I'd be hard pressed to think about cutting Ragavan in a matchup like that. Even if it does even if it doesn't line up well on paper. Like just the the power level of it is so good if it does go the right way. But I yeah, guess but what, are the, what are the odds that you have a hand that doesn't have hide evidence, random six, or... I mean, turn four Dwarven Mine, like, who cares? Like, you've gotten... It's gotten the, the business. But, yeah. I'd have to I'd have to have a lot of sideboard cards for a matchup before I started thinking about cutting Ran in a matchup that just looks like this on paper, at least. I don't like, know. Getting, what, what, getting what, else, so good. What, what else are you going to board out? If you're playing Murktide... I mean, if, I'm, if, if I'm going to bring in a lot of a lot of engine explosives, then I can start trimming out trimming my lightning bolts. Um, so you're you're leaving in Ragavan and then cutting bolts, so you can't even get out through my crabs anymore. I might trim, might trim trim some. Uh, like don't really like dress down in the matchup. Um, hey, that's one card that maybe you have in your main deck. <laughs> not massively high on Spellpierce against you, I don't think. What? F four rends and all uh, creativity is like the best card against me. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of just applying similar logic to uh, I think about four color, but yeah, no, no, I, no, you're right. That's that's definitely. But what what am I going to bring in though? Like I'm bringing in explosives, and maybe I want to bring in like. I mean, all your one mana counter spells. But I don't think I want dispute against you. Huh? I don't. Really, I mean. Like, do I want this? I'm just looking at your list right now. I don't think I want. Well, do you have like, like an explosives, couple copies of Flusterstorm? Yeah, like maybe I want Flusterstorm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty low on bringing in Flusterstorm most of the time. I just only bring it against against the. Uh, don't you need? Decks. Don't you need them for veils though? If you know, I suppose if you, yeah, if you if if you're high, if you're heavy on veils, they're probably pretty good there. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it at all. I was just kind of that speaking without even looking at the list. Yeah, list that carefully, but yeah. I mean, there's not that many cards I would bring in the matchup. Yeah. So maybe it's the sort of thing where, like, I can cut some bolts and some ragavans and just move on with my life and just have the thing to sit there and kind of dash dash at you if things go well. I, I don't know. Having played against Merktide a bunch, I think I would bo- I would board out. I would do right. like yeah. I, like you do against Titan, right? You, you board out ragavan against Grazer. No. Oh really? No chance. Like zero chance and zero, zero chance I would board against against Grazer. Oh, I, I thought it was like, and you know I, I hate boarding out Ragavan, but against Titan they've been so bad for me. Where you, nah, you no can't chance. even you can't even hit a spell against that you ever want to cast. Like all you ever want to do is make mana with it, though. Like I don't care. I, I never cast spells off Ragavan. Oh really? I thought it yeah. was oh. giving Ragavans in against Titan. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I can almost rather cut Ledger Shredder. It's too slow. At least in Ragavan, it's something you can establish on turn one. Maybe I've just read that and they literally always have Grazer when I have Ragavan and I was just yeah. off it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm always running good and they just, you know. Do, do you keep in Bolt against Titan? Maybe like one or two. Hmm. But I'm not just, like, again, like, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of speculating what, what does my sideboard look like? I'm not really sure at this point in time. Yeah. Interesting. 
I would just cut four bubbles and it'll land, if you want my opinion. But um... oh, bubbles. <laughs> I used to cut bubble all the time with Murtad. Like I used to cut down to like one or two bubbles in a lot of matchups, but then they printed Legislator and you just can't do it anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is there a consensus right now between Chandler, Shredder, the, the creature base and Murtad? Because I feel like I see something different out of everyone and I think that like the default list is just you know what I've been referring to is this Doom Switches list, which is just four Shredder, no rat, no DRC, and then like the one dress down in the main and three Murktide. Yeah, I, I hate Dragon Range Chandler. I think also a lot of decks are playing endurance in the main, like Yogmoth sometimes has one, but Court of Calling, and then or Yogmoth has access to four, and then you have the Rhinos decks, Brittany MTG and Arceus Dota, the winner of the challenge last weekend. Both are playing three to four copies of, like, so many people have endurance, and I just don't think Dragon Rage Channel is that good. Ledger Shredder is way better. That's. I mean, I think I think Dragon Rage Channel is insane. It's like a really, really, really good magic card. But I agree with you that like you know, lots and lots and lots of copies of endurance around. A little bit less good at like. A little bit less good at grinding the ledger shredder is i think it's honestly it, it truly is the weakness to endurance it puts it over the top i think because there's enough matchups in the format where i think that just having the, the one mana three three flyer is a better thing to have than having the ledger shredder but i don't know i'm a known ledger shredder hater i just every time i discard a lands one i'm like but my, my creature's like a one three i need to discard a spell maybe it's a two four yeah makes sense get some damage in but that's just like uh, i'm i'm very much more comfortable i'm much more comfortable playing blue decks at attack than i am playing blue decks at uh sit back mm. it's, like it's if, so, I, if i had to, to state my preference i guess it's so funny because people always used to complain about delver of secrets in legacy and then this is a long time ago and then they just printed dragon rage channel and ragavan <laughs> but uh yeah no i i definitely think that merc tide is one of the top decks, and I play against it the most on Magical Line right now. I think it's kind of the cheapest top deck in the format, which helps a ton. Um, so I, I actually made a YouTube video this week of like, oh, the top decks to beat in Modern right now. And I had Murktide, Yawgmoth, Living End, Hammer Time, and Four Color Elementals as my top five decks in the format. I guess after winning a challenge, Gab, do you kind of have like a top top five decks? Do you, do you disagree with any of that? Yeah, I don't think it's changed that much, right? It's still Living In, Murktide, Grixis Shadow, Rhinos, and, you know, Yogmoss, maybe maybe Titan. Same, same, pretty set in stone. Someone won a modern challenge was Living In, no griefs. <laughs> They're just playing Wind Color Aven instead of the Blue Black Cycling card. And instead of the griefs, they just have like, I don't know, second endurance, one subtlety, two sky turtles, and one copy of Valakite Awakening. That's the the land split card that lets you put cards on the bottom. So I don't really get it. I feel like when I have, whenever I lose to living in, it's usually because of grief. I have like these great hands, and they just grief me out of the game. So. I don't know. I guess just testament at how good living in is. I don't think that version is. I don't think playing not playing grief is better than than playing grief. They're also not playing the blue black cycler, right? Yeah, I that's the first thing I said. 
Oh, right. yeah, you're not playing Grief. You're I don't know the name of the card. That's why I don't know the name. Of the card. I, I did call it Blue Black Cycler. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice try. Nice try, Harry. Aquatex of Will. Right. And it was a, it was it was a moderate playable in draft in Shards of Alara block. But yeah, I feel like Rhinos has been putting up a lot of good results again recently. I don't know. It's one of the decks that beats up on Omnath. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if people have been tuning. There's a little extra tuning. Has anything changed? I think it's just four color being uh, being a, a large betting and forcing forcing cut decks like Merkite out. That means that Rhino is kind of doesn't have its natural predator in the as, as in the winners mayor game, and so like you know rises to the top more often. I think that that would be it. Oh wow! I didn't even realize there was so first was. Machia was no griefs, and third actually was X File was no grief as well, but they're just playing free copies of Fire Ice. Mm. I mean, is Wind Color Haven just that that big of an upgrade? Having a, a four free cycling that gives flyer to your to your shardless agent to get these points of damage through? I'm not too sure what's going on here. Because, I mean, you still play Street Wraith and you still have your living ends to pitch to Grief. Like, at least play the first Grief, you know? Uh, maybe not play four, but really, you don't play like the first Grief or two when you already what? have. If I remember correctly, the first living end decks that we were building when Modern Horizons came out, I sent you one with, with Fire Ice in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Fire Ice is probably a good card and decent. It's, it's not as good as in Rhinos because. It... Ice on turn two, you're not building up your graveyard. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just hard to find space for cards that aren't creatures that go to the graveyard as well in in Living End. <laughs> yeah, but I, every time I see a Fire Ice in the Rhino deck, I'm like, why isn't Living End play that as well? It's like, it's like people getting like bored. They're like, eh, deck's so good. I'm bored. I'm gonna try yeah, hard mode or whatever, ma master mode or whatever. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you don't really gain in. I mean, a tiny bit inconsistency, I guess. But it's not even like they're playing more cyclers. They're just swapping the blue-black cycling card for Wind Color Raven. Yeah, they're just swapping disruption. And they just have you know extra subtleties, fire, ice, endurance, whatever you want to play. I w I will say there's definitely got to be spots in those in living end games where you don't have the black card that you can afford to pitch or whatnot f for grief. And I've I've seen people go out of their way to do stuff like play the fourth copy of Living End in the sideboard for matchups where you might, you know, cycle a lot, draw into extra copies, and use them to pitch the grief so you can go off a couple of times through counter spells or whatnot. So the, it it is a difficult a difficult card to kind of get. It's it's a, it's not as not the most consistent card, but it's incredibly powerful in that deck. Like those those hands where you're like, okay, I think I've I think I've got him in the spot where I, I can. I can press. I can apply some pressure now, and they're just like, "I'm griefing you," and you're like, "Oh, yeah, right, yeah." My only two mana counter spells. Yeah, and this Archmage's charm is no good here. Yeah, these these spots like where the the, the upside of the the grief is so high, but the consistency is maybe not as high as you might like. And like, obviously, you used to always cast a card like Fire Ice. Yeah, no, I agree. The consistency is pretty big deal. Like never getting stuck with these black cards in your in your deck that that definitely add up and. No, it's interesting, honestly, having two players, you know, different takes, but both same idea of not, not playing grief is definitely something you, you, I think you have to respect.
who knows maybe maybe in in a few weeks we'll be like yeah grief was just a trap the whole time can you imagine i actually imagine that no no i can't imagine because yeah, I mean, again, also you're just maybe casting six mana for four free flying when you already have Creator of Mysteries on. You know, you know what matchup I reckon is going to give you a big edge in not having grief? It's probably the mirror. Imagine just having no griefs and just having endurances instead or something in the mirror. That'd be pretty good. Not having grief in the mirror. Yeah, grief is. I'm not too sure. Makes makes sense. Having more cyclers is probably better in the mirror. Yeah, and finding space for a cut. I mean, I, I believe this list has a couple of copies of Endurance in the main as well. Yeah. Feels like it'd be tougher to beat Endurance too without an early grief to get yeah, rid probably, of their Endurance. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll have to try it out. I haven't played Living In, and I refuse to play that deck recently. I just, I don't know, I just... Too popular. You're contrarian. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's not very... I'm assuming it's not very fun to watch because it's literally always the same thing, you know? And it's it's kind of... You, whether you win or, you know, either you, like, beat them badly or you don't do much and... There's a few in between games, I guess, where you beat them down with creators of mysteries and whatnot. But my, I actually really enjoy playing against Living End from the Merktide side. I think like even if nothing really happens in the matchups, like it's just super tense. Yeah, there's these spots where you kind of like, are my three counters good here? Like I don't know. I don't know if they're good or not. Yeah, that's fair. I feel it's fun, maybe in the same ways where I find it kind of fun to play against Tron in a lot of matchups, even though it can be like over on turn three or four. Yeah, it's like you're like walking this tightrope. And I, it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like that makes good content when you're on the kind of, I don't know if this is going to be a disaster side. Yeah. It's kind of got that kind of uh, suspense movie kind of feel to it in, in a lot of respects, like just building tension. Yeah. Anything else stand out to to you guys, or have you played maybe a little modern? Um, anything either of you quite, want to talk quite frankly, about? Frankly, I just kind of jumped in a couple of leagues with Murktide just to kind of get my feet wet again and, uh, and 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 feel things out. That deck's obviously still really good unless you play against four color. I think it's I think honestly it's good against everything except for four color. And just gotta cross your fingers and hope you don't play against that deck very often if you want to do well. I think. Who has the edge against between Merktide and Grixis, since Grixis is one of the most recent archetypes? I would choose to play choose to play Grix, choose to play Merktide, mostly for out of familiarity, but also just the just the power of Merktide Merktide region itself. I, I think that card's better than it's a more powerful card than any of the cards in like Grixis Death Shadow as, as a finisher. And Counterspell's a really, really, really good magic card. And it's consistent in matchups where they're not filling their graveyard, unlike Drown the Lock. Okay. I um, I played a lot of decks. Well, I mean, I'm streaming basically every day, so play a lot of decks. You played a lot of Blue-Eyed Control. Who, me? No. Yeah, really? No, I only played uh, one League of Blue-Eyed this week. I feel like every time I loaded up your stream, you were playing Blue-Eyed Control. Oh. Well, I play blue, white, four color elementals, um, the Glimpse Cascade deck, and then I also played Aspiring Spikes. Um, it's called like Illuminator Virtuoso. 
the the prowess deck with the uh one drop il- uh thingy that gets plus two plus two when you cast or copy a spell it's like one drop yeah. oh one then also swiss spheres and then you play it's called like ground something and it has storm ground swill something like that but yeah that that ground rift that's it let me actually it's clever luminancer clever luminancer ground rift monastery swift seer niv magus elemental and illuminator virtuoso it's like this kind of combo deck you know cast all your little pump spells and then cast your storm spell and then exile them all to the elemental um did a deck tech for that i thought it the, thought the deck was cute don't think the deck is very good i think that it's good in a sense that it can easily win games i think this is not a bad deck i just think that it's very similar to hammer time but i feel like almost your top decks are worse than hammer time and i was saying at the start of this podcast that hammer time is the worst top decker in modern so you know i think the reason why hammer time is good is you have versus saga and pure still paladin cantrip and stuff whereas that this deck you literally have to have a creature on the board to be able to do anything with all these unholy heats pushes whatever i mean you can kind of work around them but it's it's very difficult went two three I don't think I played very well, but you know, I like to go with this thing with modern is that if I if I have to really play hard to win, you know, then it maybe it's the deck's power level that's kind of holding me back. Because when I play four color or Merktide, the deck wins on its own, you know, and that's what I think best decks in a format will do. Um and but the deck that actually was the most interesting to me this week, I think uh you might like this scab. It was the Glimpse of Tomorrow deck. Four-color, elemental, Glimpse from Tomorrow, player Omnas, Furies, and whatnot. Um, and Glimpse of Tomorrow's the red version of the Suspend spells, and it's the Shuffle, all permanents and Graveyard, and then flip that many from the top. I thought yeah. it was great. I, th- I actually thought the deck was great. My only loss was to Hammer Time, because I top decked two Glimpse of Tomorrows in game three. I top decked two Glimpse of Tomorrows and then I cas- uh, cascaded and I hit like Omnath, Charlotte's Age. I-, I basically could have cast my another Shard. Uh, uh, I, c- I had enough mana to cast another Violent Outburst to go again, but I had nothing. Like none, none to cast in the deck, so I lost. So I'm going to count it as a 5-0, to be honest. Top decking two Glimpse of Tomorrow's is not the most likely play. Um, but yeah, I really like the deck. And I think it's a luck deck, let's be real. But, you know, I did see you play it a long time ago. Have you played it recently? I haven't played it recently. I thought it was really good. I stopped playing it because the mayor was just kind of miserable and came down to like lots of clicking and, and trying not to time out and stuff. And kind of you play these never-ending games and but the deck was powerful it did well i don't exactly remember why i why i stopped playing it other than the mirror was popular and not very fun but yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that deck's still still good in tier one i've seen a couple people on twitter here and there just saying decks busted etc but who knows that's what people say on twitter all the time yeah i i think the general thing is is that all the suspend spells that you cascade into 
in general are pretty good because you're doing something busted consistently turn three and i think like you have a a, a sub tier list in cascade decks and i think that rhinos and living end are probably better for consistency reasons whereas this deck you know you can just shred you know i, I don't know maybe this is poor point of view but i thought i thought it was it was similar power level to when i played team of rhinos because at the end of the day all the the team of rhinos and this kind of do the same you're playing a load of clunky spells to support the cascade spell and that's that's what it felt like yeah you do get to play four furies which is nice upside of this cascade version of the deck mm -hmm. were you playing seasoned pyromancer or just risen reef just just risen reef i believe yeah i did not cast a seasoned pyromancer that league yeah, that card's a little tough on the mana, but it is tempting to try and fit it in because it works. The, the elemental tokens work with Risen Reef, just gives you lots of thrones for your Cascade spells, etc. Yeah. But you usually play Cavern of Souls and mm -hmm. you want to name it on elementals or sometimes, I guess, humans work for Shardless Agent and Season Pyro. True. Maybe, you know, maybe play one or two copies of Pyromancer if you want. Anyways. Yeah, no, that deck, the deck was was impressive for sure. Yeah, and uh, last thing I played, uh, just four color elementals. I don't know. I I I'm actually really bored of the deck. I remember I used to be really like excited to play four color control, four color whatever. And I just feel like to me the, it's funny, to me the deck that plays the same the most is the eighty card deck, which isn't meant to be the case, but. I feel like most games with four color elementals feels very repetitive. You know, you tutor for your Omnath, you use the Omnath mana. Like, I'm not as hyped as I was in the past when I, like, play Omnath, play my fetch land. I was like, you know, a little boy on Christmas Day. Whereas, like, now, I'm just like, yep, this is what the deck does. Cast my Fury, see what happens. Like, I'm not a big fan of the deck anymore, like, as a play pattern thing. And blue-white control, you know, you thought I was playing it a ton. I'm fed up with the deck. Yeah, Keep blue light control is just not. It's just a bad deck. Yeah, it's, it's just, so bad. Like, yeah, it's just not even play. It's not even playable. I'm sorry. I what I thought was funny is that I I feel like prismatic ending and solitude is not good enough as a removal suite for blue light control to be playable. And if you try to buff blue light control with any playable card, you're not buffing blue light control. You're buffing four color elementals. You know, so it's like, I feel like, yeah, it's just not, it's just not good. It's just not good. I've given up on blue white, I can't lie. Yeah, it's it's good if you want to handicap yourself. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. You got you got to be Waffo to be able to. Be Even Waffo's not winning with blue white. Anymore. Oh yeah, Waffo's just been doing terribly. <laughs> His last, I mean, a lot of a lot of the streamers were off last weekend. Actually, yeah. streamers that I watched in particular. But yeah. Waffo was there, and he was not doing well at all. I haven't wanted to touch four color recently because of that scapeshift deck i'd just be terrified to play against a what was it five percent matchup 10 20 zero something between zero and 20 percent i've played against that scapeshift deck once today but not that much i expected to see a bit more of it have you guys played against scapeshift much in the leagues just once. So not, I even, wish... not even once okay so i guess the streets are somewhat safe not not too much uh what are some of the other there's like bring to light I just don't think you can expect to ex to face the same level of homogeneity that you would in the mocks as you would in the league 
to the point of you know, it's worth trying playing that deck. Yeah. I mean, I probably played against it once in 50 matches. Okay, yeah. So you're you're not gonna okay, that's that's good too. Not making decisions people. with it in mind, that's for sure. Yeah. I think I think they said at the mocks they're only playing it because they thought everyone would be on four color, right? I must have uh, some bad matchups. Oh yeah, it was definitely a meta call. I mean they said they were behind Grixes or probably behind Merktide. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, that cool. that was it for me for modern. Anyone else have anything? No, I played three rounds of Pioneer today was a weird Yorion Niv deck. Did not feel remotely playable. I just lost badly to everything. Been playing um, but, weird Yorion decks as well. But, but I've been in Pioneer. Like, yeah, I've been looking to get back into Pioneer. I'm not sure where I'm going to start though. Well, I've been. I played a little bit of it recently over the last kind of fortnight, I guess, since I wasn't on last week. But I played 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 a bit of the blue black control deck that have been doing well. It's kind of torrential gear Hulk and Hullbreaker Horror. And then a whole bunch of instants and sweepers. This was kind of when I was in the blue-white zone. I wanted to see what it was like doing the other thing. Uh, I was in, honestly, I learned nothing other than, you know, the deck is pretty good and I will do do all right with it. So I kind of, I think I went four one four one five zero and cool. Not, you know, I couldn't tell you anything about that deck, but I was also, you know, uh, inspired by some, uh, I think it's, some of the RIW hobbies people, so the the, the Detroit, uh, or at least in, I don't know if they're necessarily from Detroit. They're from Michigan for sure. But uh, that group of players has been uh, touting Esper Control, I guess, like Esper Yorion, which is more of a kind of uh, tap out style uh, control deck in Pioneer. So lots of copies of Vanishing Burst, which is a card that people on the Patreon actually have been kind of talking about getting, trying to find a way to cast in their blue eye control decks and. I was advocating going pretty light on black cards if you wanted to dabble into Esper, but uh, the guys at RAW Hobbies have been going all the way and playing, you know, what is essentially like uh, blue black, sorry, like black black white splash blue in a lot of respects, where they just they kind of just blue first some absorbs and fairies and memory deluges and some dolphins vetoes, and then it's all the black all the the blue the the black white removal spells are like they've got thought seizers. Fatal Pushes, um, yeah, Vanishing Verses, Oath of Kaya's, Kaya itself, the three-mana Planeswalker, which has got in a pretty good spot in Pioneer at the moment, I think. Uh, it's really good against Phoenix, obviously, the Exile stuff in the Graveyard, and then it can remove a lot of annoying permanents and threats, like there's Ractal Sacrifice deck, so you get to exile cards like, uh, like Witch's, Witch's Oven, and you know, it's, it eats a lot of the one-drop spirits. Yeah, so I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by that card. Um, yeah, and then it's just like Wandering Emperors and Teferis on the top end. And yeah, I've been, I think that deck's pretty good. And it's playing Yorion, which gives you some edge against uh, Red Black, which is a matchup when, when you're playing the 60 card control decks. Like that lack of extra card can really affect you in matchups like against uh, against against uh, any of the Thoughts these decks, really, but uh, Red Black in particular, which is one of the top dogs in the format. But yeah, I don't have a huge amount to say about, about Pioneer other than if you're looking for a kind of tap out style strategy with Esper, like go and look up. I think, uh, I think it's like Hannah was Rizzy or I'm trying to remember the, um, the other person's a a 22. What's his name? Uh, Zach Allen, Zach Allen, Zach Allen from, yeah, is the, is the other player who was uh, posting, posting lists and then reporting, having done well at, um, uh, some PPDQs over the weekend. So yeah, yeah. The, the, those are some strategies that I, 
in Pioneers, I think you could try. I've also tried playing some just generic Phoenix stuff, just kind of get myself back in practice. And because I think that deck's, you know, obviously good and probably here to stay as good. And, you know, just getting used to playing that deck is quite hard. It's like not, doesn't have the most intuitive line. So, you know, it was a rough learning curve for a little bit, kind of dusting, the, you know, brushing off the kind of dirt and rust. Yeah, because uh, you're, you're not trying to kill people fast. You're trying to kind of set up your turns, right? Your extra turns combo in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're really relying on temporal trespass and just getting the kind of math right for that is you know, a little, especially through removal as well. Like, you know, can I temporal trespass and have them kill two of my phoenixes on the turn that I trespass and bring them all back, but then also rebuy them on my extra turns? Yeah, setting those those things up has been uh, requiring more foresight than maybe uh, I'm willing to admit that I have these sets. All right, I, I'm going to put you guys on the spot if you've done some thinking or some homework. There's right been two challenges and a super qualifier in Pioneer this weekend. And out of the 24 decks that made top eight, there's only, only one Mono Green deck, and it's not even the Karn version. It's a version more on the aggressive side with four Miscutter Hydra, Burning Tree Emissary, Vivian. Four, four Vivian Argo Ranger as their only Planeswalker. And my question is, why? Where, where did Mono Green go? Why did no one do well? Is there an explanation? Is it a fluke? Did people not play the deck? Did people adapt? I mean, I see Ragdos win. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to check out the Ragdos list if it's especially good against green. No, it's just your standard, like, four Fatal Push, one Strangled Ragdos mid-range deck. So I was wondering if you guys knew what happened there. For me, playing green, I feel like before my showcase win, no one really had a sideboard card for green whereas after the showcase and maybe a week two weeks green spiked and now everyone has some sort of lava coil style effect because i think that the fact that people know that old growth troll is most likely one of the cards that if you deal with out of rakdos you're going to be in a good spot it really helps i also think that um, green seems to be an easy deck to play, but it's really difficult to play. T talking about like these, you know, you get put in a lot of unique spots. Maybe it's a play level thing, but um, I this kind of goes into my testing for the Mox qualifier. I'm qualified for a 24 player tournament at the end of this month, and I'm testing with Cherry. Both Cherry and I qualified with green for this event. And uh, we went to a theme park yesterday, Thorpe Park, and we were waiting in the queues. Yeah, we were waiting in the queues for roller coasters. And I was just like to him, I was like, bro, let's talk mono green theory right now. Make a plan. And I think that, I think that it's, uh, to like, I think that Rakdos used to be a buy for green. Like we had like a 95% win rate against Rakdos in leagues. Whereas, like, the first time both of us collectively lost to Rakdos, I think it's, like, Cherry whiffed on two Storms and an Oath of Nyssa in, the ga in Game 3 to lose the match or something. It was, like, so absurd. But it was, like, I think that basically what I'm saying is I think that I'm most likely going to play green in this 24-player event. I'm not off the deck. I've still gotten a couple 5-0s since the showcase. Why didn't it do well in two challenges and a thing? I think a lot of people are scared to play green because of all the 
removal. I also think blue-white control is a very awkward matchup to navigate. And uh, I think that for the 24-player event, my plan with Cherry, I won't really spoil it too much, but we've kind of got that most people are going to be on Rakdos or blue-white control, and we are just going to build our green decks sideboarded against both of those. I don't give it away, but yeah, that was definitely an oversight by me. I went through Salvato's list and I didn't see anything special, but now you mention it, two epic downfalls, two Lavacol in the sideboard. That's four two-mana removal spell that yeah. deals with a troll. Lavacol, everyone knows four damage to a creature at Exiles. Epic downfall is a little more obscure, but it has seen play in the past. A black and one sorcery exile target creature was converted in mana cost three or greater. All right, good yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, I think Harry's point about just awareness of the deck rising is is pretty reasonable. I, more Aether Gusts, Disdainful Strokes out of blue decks. Yeah, Exile effects out of decks that are playing red, removal, or whatnot. Another thing I think is you know, putting a bit of damper on it is the rise of Red White Heroic, which is uh, one, one, one of the modern challenges. I think it actually won, sorry, won the Pioneer Super Qualifier this weekend and has been doing pretty well for the last week or so. And that deck, I think, has a pretty strong matchup against Mono Green. I mean, you're both essentially goldfishing, but but Green takes a while to kill you. And but this Boros deck does not. You know, it's kind of you know, loading up on a double strike creature or an, a, a favorite, favorite hoplite or, 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 or pick, pick your poison, really. And just getting, getting in there and getting it done. I, I think what I find so funny is before the expressive iteration Winota ban, I was so terrified of playing as Blue Red Phoenix, but now as Green... Like, before Winota ban, I was so happy to play against Rakdos, terrified to play against Phoenix, but now it's like I'm kind of eh about playing against Rakdos, and I'm quite happy to play against Phoenix. And um, I, think Phoenix is, I think Phoenix is tough in game one for, from the Phoenix side. Like, I think that access to like you're not very fast as the phoenix is not very quick and then like the reach creatures out of uh the cavalier is is really really difficult to play against a post board if you're prepared i think it's i think it's pretty reasonable for you in games two and three from the phoenix side i think the biggest mistake that phoenix players make is casting pieces of the puzzle aggressively and at the end of the day it's almost time walk for me because you cast pieces of the puzzle and I'll untap Karn, get Tormod's Crypt Crypt you, and then it's just three mana like divination. It's not great. Right, but like a lot that's why my point essentially that like in game one they don't really have any option, right? They they kind mm, of okay. they don't have much interaction in game one, so they just kinda of have to just try and goldfish you. I get you. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. Whereas post board you don't have you 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 don't have cards like that in your deck, so you kind of you actually get to just pass on those turns and make it awkward for them for, for the green deck to kind of get the ball rolling essentially mm-hmm. that green deck's all about momentum like it's a, it's about kind of resolving that three three green pip creature to, that lets them use the nykthos to to resolve this the storm the festival ahead of time or whatnot um, and if you can really blunt that early that early mana advantage either from the elves or from uh from keeping the, the high devotion count creatures off the table then they're playing what is essentially just like the sort of deck you build as a 12 year old and taste the kitchen table hmm. just cast the most expensive spell of my collection yeah that makes sense now overall though what i've seen with the pioneer format is that it actually seems quite healthy um 
yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I, I it's it just feels like good honest magic. Like it's not it feels like a really, really good standard format. Yeah. The I I do have to say like the one thing I don't know if it's good or bad for the for it's probably good for the format, you know, it's like every deck has like I feel like in modern almost every spell is like really good, whereas in Pioneer it's like every deck kind of only has a couple good spells. Yeah, Which there's definitely, like, every deck has a gap in the curve somewhere where you're yeah. like, man, I really wish I had a good two-mana play here, but, like, there's just no, no good two-mana plays in this color Agreed. combination. Agreed, yeah. And I think that's what actually is helping Pioneer. And it was funny because I went to Thorpe Park with um, not only Cherry X-Man, but also... More rollercoaster stories. I like it. Really well, no, Vichezzo. And I said, I said to Vichezzo, because he's a casual Magic player, I said to him, like, oh what do you think as a casual player moving forward with magic? You know, because I'm quite vocal about things. And I was like wondering what his opinion is as like a casual competitive player. And he said to me, he said, the only thing that's changed is he feels overwhelmed by too many formats, but he also thinks that Pioneer is becoming the new modern in a sense that modern decks, when he started playing magic, he said legacy costed around what modern costs right now. And oh, yeah. What he's saying is that he believes modern is becoming a legacy price format and Pioneer is going to actually become your new modern because of the way the PTQs are being set up. Yep. I completely agree. I mean, this over that kind of two or so years that we were not having any paper events and Pioneer was kind of, you know, was, you know, labeled as dead. I think I kept saying that we, we, you, we don't, this, this format is designed to make people use their collections after they've rotated out of stand and it has a purpose, we just haven't been able to access it. And of course it's not going to be popular on Magic Online immediately because there's no reason for it to be popular over other formats. But I really think like, you know, the adoption of the minute they announced these PD, these, uh, you know, Pro Tour, the Pro Tour qualifiers were going to be pioneer league, league, league enrollment on Magic Online went from like sub 200 players to a thousand players. I, every single store was running pioneer events in, in my local area. Like people back home in Australia was saying like, oh yeah, actually I just bought up like basically all the big decks at bargain basement prices because no one was playing the format. And I really think it's it's got a lot of legs as just kind of, this is a format that people will put up in paper and play and they can afford to get into and whatever money you put into whatever deck you build is going to be around for a long, long period of time, it seems. And yeah, I completely agree with you, but it's a kind of, it's the accessible eternal format now. And now that we can, we actually play in paper again and have reasons to play it. I think it's just going to get more and more popular. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to wrap up? I'm absolutely ready. Yeah. Okay. So we've got to do prices, right? And life on the line. Life on the line is a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. You're going to bring a deck list from both formats. We talked about today. So modern and pioneer, Gab. As you uh, made it to the finals, let's put you on the spot first. What are you playing? If my life is on the line for modern, I'm I'm probably just playing living in. Honestly, ooh, look at you taking life on the line seriously for once. Yeah, COVID's changed you exactly. I saw, you know, what COVID. Yeah, exactly. exactly. A glimpse of your own mortality, <laughs> and here you are. What about pioneer? Pioneer, dude, yeah. I have no clue. Um, <laughs> oh, that red black deck is really good. Yeah, just medium red black, I guess. Sure, 
whatever. <laughs> okay, makes sense. I guess for me, in modern, I would actually play teamer rhinos with three or four endurance main and a couple blood moons. I was uh, reading a tweet from Arceus Dota. He's top eight, he's one, and then top two to the challenge, like weekends in a row. And I think that uh, Rhinos is very kind of customizable. That's the word I'm looking for. You can kind of change it quite easily without hurting the shell of the deck, which is what he was saying. Like he fivered a league with two temporal mastery in the deck. I don't really know why he did that, but he did. So, yeah, I think that Rhinos is very customizable, and I think that I would choose that for a small metagame uh, if my life is on the line in Pioneer. Same thing, I would do a small metagame green. I would... Well, we haven't <laughs> small worked, metagame green. Yeah, we, we haven't worked out what we want to change yet. I know what I'm taking out instantly, but I don't know, we don't really know what we're putting in. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun actually testing green for the tournament. What about you, Pat? Right, I, I'm going to play red-black midrange in uh, Pioneer with for all the marbles, I just can't argue with the results. I don't think it doesn't look very good on paper, but I think it's, it's they're all just good cards from top to bottom. And in fact, I'm, I'm probably going to try and make an effort to play it this week. I've got all the cards for it on Magic Online, so I will play it. And uh, in 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 modern, I'm just going to play Murktide. That's still think the deck's really really good. And if people are going to turn up playing Rhinos and that's on the upswing, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to I'm going to buy the dip, as they say. Sure. Awesome. Uh, and catching with the pants down. Yep, that's me. Price is right. Right. I was thinking Transmogrify. Transmogrify, pennies. I mean, it's going to be oh, pennies. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The other one. The, the other one's Mythic, right? Yeah. yeah. Price is Yeah, I mean, okay, well, sure. If you think it's going to be pennies, let's guess it then. Go on, guess yeah, pennies. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, Indomitable Creativity. Everyone got a price in their head? Yeah, well, give me a sec. <laughs> I'll get I mean, you have to think about the pennies, right? You can't just be like pennies, one yeah. euro or two euro. No, you always get the prices right. Um, give me a sec. I think you guys are so good. At, I think I'm going to get it right. Okay. All Let's right, I, I got it. Okay. Yep. Got my price. Three, two, one. Four, four euro. Two thirty. Oh, Pat and I both. Said oh, wait. Four. I way undershot it for once. Yeah, you did. Wow. Let's see if Dang. it works out for me. The average 30-day price for indomitable creativity on cardmarket.com right now is five euros and seventy-seven cents. Right. The Harry one time I... in my life I You'll just <laughs> don't overshot it. It's no. So it's All a right. it's a drawn win. Well, Gab lost, and that's the really important <laughs> sure. In fact, he came second in this contest, just like in the modern challenge. Oh, wow. Peak. Yeah, I used to always come second. I'm used to it. <laughs> okay, right, so cool. It's a reasonable spot to finish in a Magic Tournament. Yeah, well, or a poker tournament, too. You're not second at the end, Gab. Why don't you go first? Where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhat. I'm back. I was away for a week. I'm back. It was good to be back this afternoon. Looking forward to lots of streams. Um, yeah. You can find me anywhere at HermGG, YouTube Daily. I've done daily. 
I, I was uh, talking to someone on the phone today. I was like, oh, what's your upload schedule? And I was literally like, I was like if I'm in my bedroom, I'm making a video. <laughs> so I've been trying to go daily. So check it out there. What about you, Pat? You can find me in the Midweek Metagame Discord. A great place to go and spend time. Oh, yeah. Speaking of, yeah, join the Discord. Link in the description of this episode. Go on our Twitter. And if you made it this far into the episode, as always, really appreciate you making this far. Hope you guys have a good week, and we'll all catch you in the next one. Later. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.